Tyler Perry. Matt Kitchen. We are here. Here we are. It is us. That's right. <laughs> That's always so fun to try to figure out how to start these things. And the first thing that comes to my head usually is not good. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we uh, don't really start the recording for about 30 seconds. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, they'll never hear this. Never. <laughs> Except, oh well. I'm Matt Kitchen. And I'm Father Eric. And this is After, After the, the Likeness. There, I adjusted you. You were coming oh, in hot. Okay. Coming in hot today. Yeah, too, too, too hot. hot. Yeah. <laughs> too hot to handle. What, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. Hanging out and having fun. Here we are on the other side of Holy Week and Easter. We did it. Yeah, we did it. It, it was, was great. A, it was a long week, that Holy it Week. Was. We had 11 services in five days. Yeah, it was super holy. Super holy. Yep. Mm-hmm. A lot of services, a lot of different services. For those of y'all who um, are part of liturgical churches, Roman Catholic, Episcopalian, Orthodox, Lutherans, I think, get in on the Holy yeah. Week as well. Not Presbyterians. Yeah, not Presbyterians. <laughs> but uh, if you if you don't, Holy Week is the week leading up to Easter. And so we go through day by day, and we kind of go along from Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus, which happened one week before Easter. Uh we celebrate kind of in real time all of the things of that week, going to the Last Supper, um, the crucifixion on Holy Saturday, we remember Jesus resting in the tomb, all the way through the great Easter vigil, which takes us from Holy Week right into uh, Easter. And we get to say hallelujah yeah. again. Yay! And uh, I was able to come to the conclusion this year yeah. that Maundy Thursday yeah. is probably my favorite service of the year such a good one with it's close with christmas eve yeah it's between those two but they're kind of similar exactly i think that's why i like them both yeah there's candles in both that's right that i get to hold in my hand Mm -hmm. maundy thursday until i play my guitar yeah it's awkward yeah (laughs) yeah uh for those of you who aren't episcopalian or anglican specifically maundy thursday is holy thursday the thursday of holy week and um it is the the first time it was it's the celebration of the last supper the first eucharist and so it's called maundy in our church maundy is one of those uh nice little englishisms where it comes Mondi. from mandamiento uh, you know, or whoa, that's in whoa, Spanish, whoa. but the, the Latin version of that, which means <laughs> commandment. Uh, and uh, so, because it's the day Jesus gives us the new commandment that he gives to his disciples on the Last Supper, to love one another as he loved us. And at the same time, he gives us the gift of the, his body and blood in the Eucharist, and he washes their feet. So we do all of those things on Maundy Thursday, so man, mandament commandment gets shorted Ooh. to Monday, Monday, Thursday, Monday. <laughs> yep. Um, I dig it. And, uh, uh, and so at our church fun, but the fun, our fun tradition is we have the foot washing and we, and then we go over to have communion as an agape meal. So like in the, the first, uh, the original Christians, um, the OG Christians, if you will, OG. when they got together on Sundays, they would actually have a full meal with communion. That's what communion was. They, they had did. the sacramental part with the bread at the beginning, yeah. and then they'd eat a meal together, and then they'd pass the communal cup, the cup of Christ's blood at the end, and that's what we did for um, yeah, that sounds Maundy real familiar. Thursday. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. It's real fun. Lots of candles. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And it's good. We got to eat first dinner during communion. That's right. And was that supposed to be all dinner? Or? What do you mean? Because <laughs> I, uh, I added some pizza after that. I was oh, like, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed to have some, pe- some pizza, obviously. I did hit my 4,000 calories Friday, of the day. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I probably did, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No Friday eating. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you made some delicious coffee. I do appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's quite good. Cheers to you. Yes. I think we've covered this on this podcast, but St. Margaret's got some good, good coffee. coffee. Good coffee. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything new? Anything happened over the last week? No, that's it. Just recovering from that, like celebrating Easter. Easter, we celebrate for 50 days in our church. And so um, it's just been a good time. We have a, a episode about that, I believe. Yeah, that's go right. back and find it. Mm-hmm. We explain mm-hmm. all about the Easter yeah. season. It's good stuff. Fixing Easter or fixing, something. Like oh, yeah. We yeah. probably did. That's right. <laughs> we did fixing Christmas. Did we yes. do fixing Easter, too? We probably yeah, I did. think so. I mean, like, whenever we fix things, it's just like, let's go back to doing the whole thing. <laughs> Easter's <laughs> yeah, exactly. not one day. Yeah. It's too big for one it's day. It's basically like you fixing it just means more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. There, I fixed it. <laughs> we have more of it. More of it. <laughs> There's so much cool stuff. Like the resurrection is not. So I have a pet peeve, actually. When I'm reading children's books, little children's Bibles to my daughter, which I like to do. And they're usually really good. Little rhyme Bible, Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. Beginner's Bible. Beautiful. But like oftentimes they end just at the resurrection. And it's like that's not even the end of like the Gospels usually. Like um Sometimes, like St. Mark's, for sure. But even then, there's the longer end. What did he know, anyway? Yeah, but like, <laughs> you, so one adds the ascension on there, which happens 40 days after Easter. But it doesn't talk about any of the resurrection appearances in between Easter Sunday, the resurrection, and when Jesus ascends to heaven 40 days later, which are significant. Yeah. But even then, it's like, what about 10 days after that? Pentecost... When the Holy Spirit comes down on the on the disciples, and then they go, that's the logical endpoint yeah, if you're going to do mm-hmm. the Gospels. Now, obviously, which like, is when we go into like the boring times of the church, right? Yeah, that's but- <laughs> exactly wrong. No, it's so cool. Like if you've ever read Luke and then Acts all in one shot, which is like they're they're long. Whoa. They're the long. Luke's a long gospel, and Acts is long. But uh, um, they're written by the same guy, Luke. And they're meant to be these sort of mirror images where it's like, here's what the church looks like when it's just encountering Jesus, walking around Jesus on earth. And then here's what the church looks like after Pentecost comes and Jesus is working through his body, the church. And it's like Jesus says in the gospels, like you will do greater things than I do. So everything we see happen in the gospels, even greater things, like it doesn't go like diminish when Jesus ascends and the Holy Spirit comes upon the uh, uh, apostles mm-hmm. and sends them out, it gets bigger and bigger. And so, like, especially for like American Christians, even us, we're a real historical church, but like, um, and we've always been real focused on the the primary church, the primitive church, the 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 the, the, uh, the ancient Christian church. Mm-hmm. But like, it's you know that's the through line between the gospels and us yeah that's where it really how we got here overlap exactly (laughs) and it's like it's still increasing as time goes on two thousand years later what christ is doing through his church so it's a cool thing that is cool so that's what's going on what's going on this (laughs) week (laughs) uh not a lot here just you know tread water good yeah i don't know if you have figured this out about Mm -hmm. me but i'm a bit of an overcommitter so (laughs) sure sure 
<laughs> but I kind of, that's Happens how I thrive. I got to just keep moving. That's, cool. That's what I do. What have you overcommitted to so far? Uh, this podcast. I mean, look, look around. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Everything. I don't know. Lots yeah. of stuff, man. Yeah. Lots of stuff. And then, you know, have to like work because apparently that's a thing you have yes, to do. Yes, that's also something know, important. It's, it's <laughs> stupid work. Yeah. <laughs> but having fun. Good. Um, yeah, it was a good Easter. We, I know me and you foolishly thought we might squeeze in one episode before Easter, but yeah. obviously we didn't get that done. So sorry, folks. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and I put like a little reminder in my calendar for planning next year. It's like, just don't schedule anything in Holy Week besides Holy Week or Easter Week, the week uh, after the eight days starting mm-hmm. with Easter Day. Mm-hmm. Like it's just too much, and then you're just recovering and celebrate. There's still more celebrations that go on, so it's like mm-hmm. just block it out. Enjoy the days. Yep, I got to see some uh, some family over the past few days. That's cool. cool. My work took me out kind of East Texas ish, oh, nice. Corsicana area. So I cool. uh, did some Shout work out, out to there. Corsicana. Corsicana, all our Corsicana listeners. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, I'm gonna get to a point with this actually. Yeah, but. Uh, Got to go see uh, my sister and and Adam. Nice. Um, who's uh, who? If you've listened to this podcast, has contributed a few times. Shout and, out to uh, Adam. Shout out Adam. And uh, yeah, I got to see all the kids and whatnot, nieces, nephews. So that was a good time. And then from there, that's the best. Met my wife and daughter in College Station, where my aunt and uncle lived, and we uh, got to hang out with them. And my older sister came nice. down, and her wife, and they. So we got to have a whole little get together there for the weekend. So. It That's was good times. awesome. It was good times. That sounds and, like and Jackie, so much fun. My Seriously. sister listens as well. I don't know yeah. if Kim does. Shout out Jackie. But Jackie, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to Sable, our yeah. biggest fan. We're shouting out everybody. Yes, that. that's right. Who do you know who listens? By name. Let's, let's just say names. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We've got 10 more listeners to shout so, out. <laughs> so this leads me to a question I was going to yes. ask you. Okay. Which is when I was in this little town called Jacksonville, kind of south of Tyler. Sure. Um, that's where I stayed overnight when mm-hmm. I went and saw my sister. Yeah. Um, I was at a coffee shop the next morning. I keep banging this chair. Um, <laughs> I was at this coffee shop the next morning mm-hmm. and just making small talk with the cashier there. And she was telling me how she's 19. She just got married, yada, yada, yada. And she was like, you know, saying how people think she's crazy for being married. I was like, well, I proposed mm-hmm. when my wife was 20 and <laughs> we've been married for almost 15 years. So, Hey, it can work. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, anyways, Somehow got into talking about church because yeah. I think it's because she said her husband was a pastor at the church nearby. Oh, that's cool. Which is a, a, like a Baptist church there in town because mm-hmm. I think everything there is Baptist. A lot of Baptists <laughs> in East Texas. <laughs> but uh, shout out to Baptists. She said. She said. So what do y'all believe? When I told her I was Episcopalian, and I was mm-hmm. like, I I don't know. Same yeah. same as you, just with different stuff. <laughs> is your question going to be? It's what do Episcopalians <laughs> believe? Because that is not the to- well, actually, it kind of is the topic. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, so she said, she said. So I mean, like, what do you believe about getting to heaven? And I was like, No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I know we've gone over this ad nauseum in other episodes. Sure. But what I want to see if you can do for me. Yeah. Wait. Wait. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna give you a time limit here. I want you to say like a one minute. One minute. What Episcopalians believe about how one gets to heaven? Ready, go. Okay, this is gonna have to be mm-hmm. like an a elevator speech in heaven, <laughs> like a minute and forty seconds. Salvation um, elevator speech. Okay, so 
Yeah, let's make the question, what do we believe about salvation? Because just going into how that question is phrased oh boy. would be a thing. But let me just say, as a side note, before I start, right? <laughs> talking about how we get to heaven, that is okay as like a little short summary mm. like we know what people are asking when they say that they're yes. they're asking about salvation what do you do to get to but heaven? yeah like part of what we believe about salvation is it's not just getting to heaven so it's like got to put an asterisk there i'm and i'm not super picky about this i'm super i'm fine with 30 seconds christians <laughs> i'm not even started yet <laughs> with christians and episcopalians using that phrase as sort of like an easy communicable way to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, oh, well, you'll get to heaven if you, you know, like all that kind of stuff. But so this is what we believe about salvation. And when I say we, um, I mean the Episcopal church and like that we see the sacraments and the tradition of the church, um, as being authoritative for us. And we look to the, the ancient church as like our model. And we've always been very, what's called patristically formed. So we read the church fathers. So that means all the Holy saints all through the last 2000 years, what they say about this. And there is a consensus here about what salvation means. So what we believe about salvation is that one, and we have, um, just FYI for those of you who are listening in the San Antonio area, we're actually doing our Christian Ed series. Uh, it's called Salvation in the Kingdom of God. Oh, snap. Uh, 9.30 every morning on Sundays here. Come on down. St. Margaret's Episcopal Church. Um, but what salvation means is uh, it's more than just not going to hell, right? That's part of it. That's what we call justification. Uh-huh. Um, it's like, uh, okay, you know, like we do sin and like we do bad things on purpose and we suffer bad things as well. Sin is more than just bad things we do on purpose. It's also like sickness and illness and bad, bad things. It's like the, the <laughs> decay, the corruption of the world, including moral sins and also, but also like, just like badness, you know, like the, the sad tragedy of the world. So certainly salvation part of that is being saved from that, right? Mm-hmm. God Jesus as he resurrects, he overcomes sin, death and the devil. Super cool, right? Heck but yeah. more than that, and this is why connecting it back to uh, my daughter's children's books, <laughs> it's so important to have 50 days to just celebrate the resurrection. Jesus' ministry doesn't end on the cross, and then he's resurrected, and then he goes to heaven. I was making air quotes there. That was Um, was nice. (laughs) Right? Because he actually stays, and he's showing people what he had been telling them and giving them glimpses of through his whole three-year ministry, which was, we are set free from that for something positive. It's not just erasing the negative of sin, death, and the devil. You could summarize that as like hell, right? The power of hell. Um, What we call going to heaven is about living eternal life. So for us as Episcopalians, and this is like traditional historical Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, whatever you want to call it, like going back to the early church, because it's built off of this experience of the resurrected Christ. It's what he told us, the traditions he gave us. It is to start living that life now. So like the idea is to put it in terms of going to heaven, that heaven has come to earth in Jesus and he has united um, earth and heaven and humanity and divinity. And by uniting ourselves to Christ, we start living in that 
kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven right now. And so that's what salvation is. It's not just getting rid of sin, getting rid of our, you know, um, the things we've done wrong and the things we've suffered. It's being set free from that power over us. It's also about all the positive ways that God starts to build us up in this new life this new kind of life. And that's what we call like the Christian life. The whole Christian life is about uniting ourselves with Christ through pouring ourselves out so that God can fill us up with this grace that is his presence, right? Um, so in short, <laughs> if I had to put it in one word, go on. <laughs> what what uh, the church has used traditionally to call this through the ages is theosis, which means becoming like God, Um not like God, like Zeus or like <laughs> Mars or, or Aphrodite or something like that. Not like a God, a God among men or whatever. In fact, the Christian life is humble, right? Mm-hmm. Christians become more humble and, and servants. But through that, we become like God, God. After the God likeness or something? <laughs> yes, that's right. We re- regain the likeness of God. Mm-hmm. And so... Where this does connect with like going to heaven is, of course, if you live to God in this life, then where is your soul? It's already with God now, right? As your body is in this life. So when you die and your soul and body are separated, obviously your soul stays with God. You are in heaven. But we also look to, and this is my other complaint about children's books, they don't have anything about Revelation at all. And no, I, I know that Revelation Whoa. is a little above, Intense. you know, the, the pay grade maybe of four-year-olds. <laughs> but it starts with Genesis, all these little rhyme Bible stuff. It'd be cool to have something about, well, how does the story end? It doesn't end with Jesus going to heaven. Four horsemen. It ends with Jesus coming back. Locusts with dude heads. Well, we can skip. You, I mean, like, they can put this, some of that part in, That'd be too. pretty cool, actually. They had the ten plagues of Egypt, and so there's ah, this symmetry yeah. in, like, the beginning and the ending, right? Exodus and Genesis and then Revelation. Um, but it ends not with Jesus going to heaven. It ends with Jesus displaying the resurrection life, then going to heaven to be seated at the right hand of God, and then after sending the Holy Spirit for us um, so that we can start living the life now. But then when everyone dies, he comes back and he brings, he resurrects everyone. Our souls are reunited with our bodies so that we can live the resurrection life he has given to us, initiated us into in this life permanently and perfectly for all eternity. So that's what we believe. We believe that by the grace of God, through his holy scriptures, through his holy sacraments, through the church, through our tradition, through our love for one another, all of these things, um, God is allowing us and building us up for that kingdom life. And that that kingdom of God isn't just coming, it comes is f- perfectly fulfilled when Jesus comes back, but it got started on Easter Sunday, when he resurrected, that's when the kingdom was finally revealed to us. And then when the Holy Spirit comes down on the apostles, that's when it starts spreading through the world. Um, and it'll continue to spread until Jesus finishes so, it off in the last day. Let me summarize. So in one minute, that was one metric minute <laughs> ish, in Canada. That's ish. what we call just one minute. One metric a minute. Hot minute, if you will. <laughs> All right, so next time mm-hmm. I go to Jacksonville and I talk to this girl, Caitlin, I believe was yeah. her name, when <laughs> when uh, when <clears throat> she says, so what do you Episcopalians believe about getting to heaven? Yeah. I just say, we're already there, ma'am. Tip my hat and walk out. 
Uh, yes, is that cool? no, is that- <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I it depends what she's asking. I'd say like, what do you mean? That is you know, complicated. Like, I get what because you mean. if she means how do you, that's what we mean by salvation. I if she means she's how, asking how, yeah, how it yeah. would be very similar to the word she would use. Although, again. Mm-hmm. Probably with Baptists, we would disagree it's about the, the meaning a little bit. But the like, it's through faith in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For and for <laughs> evangelicals, and a lot of Baptists are sort of evangelicals or evangelical adjacent. Faith in Christ means a moment of decision in which you profess saving faith in Christ. For us. It means it's more ongoing. It's like I mm-hmm. put my trust in Jesus and I continue to put my trust in Jesus and I even grow in my faith, in my trust in Jesus through the Christian life. And that's the whole struggle when St. Paul talks about in the scriptures, like work out your faith with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. Like, so everything we would agree, faith in Christ, our trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord, he does the work of it. Um, you know, through the Holy Spirit, through what he did on the cross, through his resurrection, all these things, <coughs> through the sacraments. And so we would add all, have a lot more to it than just sort of like having a single moment mm-hmm. in which we come to realize that Jesus is Lord and we affirm that in a prayer and ask him into our hearts. Mm-hmm. We want to ask him into our hearts every morning and every night mm-hmm. and in every season. And like we want to grow through uh, through the sacraments. And traditions of the church in that. So, like, that would be both the similarity, like, so, faith in Jesus. But for us, faith in Jesus is a lot. It's everything. It's everything. So, coming so, yeah. from, a, you know, yeah. stint of that background in my life, mm-hmm. I can already see the next thing that they would say, which is, so what you're saying is you have to have works yeah. Beyond your faith in order to be yes, saved. Yes, and the scriptures say that. Yeah. So like <laughs> faith without works the book is of dead. Church, exactly. <laughs> that's right. Like works is a part of faith. Like acting out. Like if you have an idea of going to get a cup of coffee, you have not yet completed getting a cup of coffee until you let that idea get you off the chair, pour the cup of coffee and then drink it. You know, like um you can you you uh you can you cannot have saving works without faith but you also can't have saving faith without works mm. um because you've it's not real yet you haven't instantiated it. exactly that's mm-hmm. right and you judge things by the tree by, mm. by you judge a tree by its fruits mm-hmm. in in um in the christian tradition. yeah it always that was always something i couldn't quite mm. get behind or wrap my head around when mm. i was in that you know worldview yeah. which was it was just so focused on and I'm not saying all of them are like this, but where I was, was like this, which is like, boom, you said the prayer, you're good. And I was like, but yeah. It, yeah. like you just said, it literally says you have to have fruit. You have to have works in order to, that's right. Not to be saved, I guess, quote unquote, but there's no, there's no yeah. showing that you're saved without that stuff. That's right. And well, fruition. and there's no grounding. Mm-hmm. You're, you're like, again, Jesus says like, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will be in the kingdom of God. It's mm-hmm. like, you can't just passively be like okay i said the thing i said the prayer and like good to go (laughs) you know and now that tradition comes from a reaction to some bad christian theology Mm -hmm. um, but it is an overreaction and it becomes bad christian theology in of itself on the other side yeah yeah and so um well actually this actually ties into legalistic was always thrown around question yeah Yeah, that's right exactly so it's like there was legit bad um 
theology of, of, you know, what Luther would call works righteousness. And Luther was so hardcore a reactionary against this. Right. He wanted to take the book of James out of the Bible because it disagreed with his theology, mm-hmm. which is ironic because he's Crazy. the first Protestant. So the whole like uh, Protestant, uh, you know, perspective is like, no, we are going to stand on scripture against these innovations that sort of what became Roman Catholicism have added, what the Pope mm-hmm. added, basically. And it's like, but then, you know, Luther's like, well, but the Bible doesn't fully agree with what I think, so I'm going to take that out. <laughs> James he, is like one didn't. of my favorite books, too. Oh, it's a great book. It's heck? a great book. <laughs> but like, uh, for us as uh, as Episcopalians, like, our way is the via media. Yeah. Um, and, um, and again, that's not... It's not our history isn't perfect or unblemished. We're not some infallible church by any means. Not sure, um, but <laughs> but we did manage to sort of like try to stay in the center, and that tended to be the safest place, in my opinion, theologically, while the Reformation was going on. And well, it, I mean, it kind of is yeah. true with like most things in life, honestly, when it comes to yes. opinions, mm-hmm. the things on either extreme are usually the things that aren't, aren't fully yeah. accurate. You yeah. know, yeah. The, the via media is kind of always the way that has the most accurate Absolutely. In one spot. Absolutely. <laughs> and as we'll get into in our listener question for today, like there was a legit idea that like basically, um, you know, the, the standard idea in Europe at the time of the Reformation when Luther was going was like, look, God doesn't like you very much, but if you try really, really hard and do a whole bunch of stuff and you donate this money and you get some indulgences mm-hmm. and you pay some monks to say masses for you every day after you die, maybe he will lessen your time in purgatory Golly. when he punishes you. <laughs> uh, and you'll get into get into heaven um, faster. Um <laughs> So that's brutal. Yeah. How do we, as a, this, I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep going down this rabbit hole, but yeah. How do we, as Episcopalians feel about Martin Luther, Martin Luther? Uh, I'm, eh, I'm eh on it, but as, <laughs> as per usual, uh-huh. you know, opinions vary in our church. Of course, there of are course. some very, I realized by saying how do Episcopalians feel? I'm actually asking yeah. how you feel, but <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there would be some very pro Luther, folks mm. people who really like lutheranism i'd say probably though he's probably the least historically for modern anglicanism so from the reformation on he's probably been the least popular reformation theologian we went much really? more into calvin than uh, uh luther oh man like henry the eighth we're leading the, right into today's yeah <laughs> i know i know uh henry the eighth like uh he was given the title defender of the faith from the pope mm. before he broke from rome uh for writing treaties against luther Jeez. um and so like so, luther like even lutherans these days like you know luther had a lot of sort of anti-semitic stuff in his writings and row. stuff like that and so like even lutherans aren't super pumped on luther luther himself but so like, he's not gonna um, get sainted is what you're saying yeah but again like he wasn't an idiot <laughs> right you know like he was a scholar he was an mm-hmm. augustinian monk and a scholar and so like it's not like everything he said was terrible but he certainly was reacting against some things and overreacted against some things and had some prejudices and all the all the stuff um and he was just very very stubborn and you can't be you cannot be a theologian of the church and be self-centered in that way, in a, in a way where it's like, no, I don't care what all of the church fathers have said. 
I have the truth. Even if this book of the Bible says this, no, I know I'm right about this thing. It's like, that is what in the church we call prelest. It's like a form of pride called spiritual pride. It's like, uh, you know, an hallmark of all cult leaders have this, for instance, right? Like Jim Jones or whatever, people Mm -hmm. who end up thinking they're God themselves. Now, of course, he didn't go that far, Luther, (laughs) but like he, he, he knew uh, towards the end of his life, there was like some people who came and brought him in and was like, please, Luther, can we just like agree on some of these things? Because he, Luther didn't want to start a new church. He wanted to reform the church. Uh, but he's like, you have so many followers, but like, you know, you're tearing the whole continent apart at this point. Can we not like come to agree to disagree or something? Yeah. And that's when he said his famous line here. I, he threw the Bible down and was like, here I stand on the word of God. I can do no other. And like Lutherans for a long time were like, that was some triumphant cry. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he was like harried. He was, he felt terrible at that time. He was lo- literally losing sleep over everything that was happening. He could see by the fruits <laughs> that like the things he was saying was, was causing violence and mm-hmm. uh, division in the church, but he just couldn't see it. Yeah. himself like how am i wrong here's the bible show me yeah. he sees where I'm that wrong. The, the consequences of what he's saying that's right, is bad that's right. but couldn't see how what exactly. he's saying was that's right you. and so like what he really needed was a dose of christian humility it's like hey mm-hmm. maybe you don't have to see the whole picture you know you've got something to contribute and it changed the church i mean even what we now call the roman catholic church they had the council of trent not long after that and most of the reformation grievances mm-hmm. of the Reformation that were legit were changed at that point. But at that point, you know, the idea like, Hey, we can start whole new churches had kind of caught on. And so I feel like that, we get a big division in that Western Christianity. you're talking about of, yeah. of not being able to admit when you're <laughs> like yeah. ignoring everything that's ever been in tradition in the church. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that's something that I've really started to recognize more the more, you know, the longer, yeah. A, we've been doing this podcast and B, I've been part of Episcopal Church as an adult. You just yeah. see it with so many things we've talked about, whether it's the views yes. of heaven and hell or, yeah. or angels or the kingdom of God, like all these things that mm-hmm. that more newer type of churches have yeah. kind of been like, oh, well, this is what we believe now. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and you mentioned, you know, yeah. St. Augustine or something. They're like, they're like, well, who cares about that guy? And it's just like, yeah. it's yeah. weird. It's like now that I've been a part of this for, for so long, I'm like, yeah. how could you? not care like all that stuff that's right was before we ever started least, thinking about this this <laughs> is your brother in christ yeah. even though it's 1700 years ago right. he's alive in with us they were a heck of a lot closer to, yes. to jesus time than we were that's right <laughs> and you know like also i mean some people you know they don't want to listen i mean some of the smartest people that have ever lived were christian saints who wrote mm-hmm. about christian you know like who <laughs> <Right>. wrote theology <laughs> it's like i'm I, there's no saint out there. Saint does not mean infallible. Right. Um, there's no saint out there who's never who does, says everything perfectly or doesn't make a mistake. But it's like uh, Bishop K- Metropolitan Callistos Ware, who has passed away now. He was a uh, um, an English Christian, but he became Orthodox. But he was a Harvard. No, it's not sorry, not Harvard. Oxford. Oxford. Dawn. Um, and uh, but he used to say like, and my own uh, professors at. Seminary Southwest said this, like, there are three kinds of theologians. There are the saints who know God directly, right? Mm -hmm. Like, good theologians are people, they're not just up here in their head. 
they are practicing the faith. A theologian is one who prays, and they're going to know more about God than whatever rational syllogism someone comes up with. It's like... Mm -hmm. These people, like the saints, are like the best theologians. Then there are, you can also, though, be a good theologian. Good theologians are people who trust the saints. You can also be a theologian who doesn't trust the saints, and they're called bad theologians. <laughs> and those are pretty much your choices. Like, oh, that's. <laughs> and I would agree with that. It's like yeah. Christianity is a community, our understanding of God is a communal dialogue. That has been a conversation that Jesus started. Well, really, well, yeah, Jesus started, but even before Jesus Christ came, um, God started with us. That has been going on for thousands of years. And like, if you want to join into the conversation and be a productive part of it, then you have to learn what everyone else has said. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, like you get some churches that date back to the 1800s or the early 1900s or the mid 1900s, and it's like. This is their history is like Jesus came, then he went to heaven, and then everyone got Christianity wrong for 1,850 (laughs) years or 1,950 years. And then this guy figured it out the right way. And now this is the real church. And now it's back. And it's like, that is ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. When you talk about your, the the types of theologians, I think that's kind of one of the biggest disconnects I see in the evangelical side. And again, I yeah. I feel like I always have to preface I'm painting with broad brush because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not all of them are the same. But but the ones that I've been a part of, it's almost like saints are l- like frowned upon almost. It's like mm-hmm. because it's like that's associated with yeah. Catholicism and yada right. yada, all the worst yeah. legalism. Yeah. And then so and they don't even to be fair, take it there to were heart. bad pieties and practices associated with saints and prayers for the dead and stuff like mm-hmm. that. There were bad. There was no bad doubt. The, yeah, and no like, doubt. So it was reacting against something yeah. bad. But again, like it was you said, an overreaction. What, what Luther was reacting to. That's right. Made sense. That's it's right. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. But to take you know to to throw the baby out with the bathwater is mm-hmm. it's insane. Not a good thing. <laughs> Not a good scene. We should probably get to our actual yeah. topic. Let's do that. It, this ties in very. It really perfectly. does. It really does. Um, so yeah. Let's see. I'm going to read the question. This is from, Excellent. we were going to talk about it last time. And then yeah. we're like, this is, this is a bigger topic than just a quick listener question. That's right. So we're going to give it about half an hour here. And yes, see. perfect. <laughs> a metric half hour. A real half hour, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is from Michael Welch. Who, I hope I it's the Michael Welch I know from the I, yes. Maybe if so, so. Yeah. Because I don't think we've had any, good to any, hear from any you. interactions. Good to hear from you. Good to meet you, new Michael. Mr. Michael Welch. Yeah. So, so thanks yeah. for writing in, Michael. But um, it says, hello, for Eric. That's <laughs> what I say because I can't read it's it fine. any other way. <laughs> I was wondering if you would be able to answer a question I had on a future mm-hmm. episode. Why, well, yes, we can, Michael. Yes. What are Anglican slash Episcopalian perspectives on predestination? Yes. I know the 39 articles have a section of predestination. So I was just wondering what a survey of Episcopal beliefs on this mm. issue would be. It's great to learning from you. <laughs> I think something went off the rail in that last sentence, No, Michael, it is great to learning. It is it great learning to you. From Okay. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> okay. All right. We get what you meant. <laughs> I'm just going to... You're teasing be, our listeners. I'm going to berate every question. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. <laughs> so, let's start here. What in the world are the 39 articles? Okay. The great question. So, um, the question from Michael was... 
uh, was what would a survey of Episcopal or Anglican beliefs be on predestination? And let me say that starting with the 39 articles is a great place to start. For those of y'all who haven't heard of that, lots of Episcopalians and Anglican Church of England folks have not necessarily heard of the 39 articles. Mm-hmm. If you're Episcopalian here in the U.S., you can open up your Book of Common Prayer and turn to the back in the historical documents section. And there we have important kind of church documents that are still kind of they they were important in our in our in our past. Uh, we have the Athanasian Creed in there, which is like a really 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 long creed that um, sort of the basis of which got sort of summarized into the Nicene Creed okay. and the Apostles Creed and stuff like that. But we kept that in there from like the three and four hundreds there. Um, we have the Chicago Lambeth Quadrilateral oh is a gosh. cool document in there. If you want to check it out, cool. Quadrilateral, uh, it's called Chicago Lambeth cause like that's where the conferences were. Uh, um, but it was a Lambeth? meeting of bishops. Is Lambeth is a palace in England oh, and it is where all the bishops of the church of our church gather for a. I think about every 10 years, more or less. Have you been uh, there? For Lambeth. No, I've never been there. I've we never should, been to England, we should actually. Go. Mary what? We should go. You've never been to England? I know. Isn't it ridiculous? You have British magazines That's sitting why. right here in I front of me. I just look longingly <laughs> at them. <laughs> That's actually crazy to me. I know. It is. Uh, we want uh, we'll, a longer discussion We want to put together <laughs> a... I, I want to put together a... Uh, uh, pilgrimage to some of the saint oh, sites in cool. England. And so if anyone uh, listening wants to get in on that, mm-hmm. let me know. I'll and probably start playing it for next summer. And we'll donate, see if our church can donate do to us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's make it a, a mm-hmm. podcast donation trip. Yeah, exactly. That'd be great. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so, so that Chicago Lambeth quadrilateral, it's these four things, the quadra quad quadrilateral that we see as markers of churches we can be in full communion with. Oh. So it came up like when we got in full communion with the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, oh. um, they met three of those things. So close. One of them was bishops with apostolic succession, right. which we've talked about on the show right. before. Um, and so they agreed to let an Episcopal bishop be at the consecration of all future Lutheran bishops so that they could sort of regain apostolic succession to uh, our bishops. And that was, then we were like, okay, four out of four. So we can be in full communion. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's the sort of the marks of the, of the church for mm-hmm. us. Um, then, uh, what are the four but, things? Do you, what's that? Do you know off the top of your head? What the oh, four man, things I can't are? remember. I'm not putting you on the spot. Too I much. think scripture, uh, acknowledging scripture as containing all things necessary for salvation, uh, apostolic succession, the sacraments, I'm sure. Um, and then probably something else. I don't know. <laughs> I, find I, I don't have it. In, I'll it find right out what you're talking about. But l- the, one of the it's other big The things. Holy Scriptures yes. as containing all... This is Wikipedia. So. Cool. <laughs> the Holy Scriptures as containing all things necessary to salvation. Yeah. The creeds, specifically creeds, the Apostles and Nicene, as the sufficient statement of Christian faith. Mm-hmm. The Dominical Sacraments of... Baptism, Baptism and Holy Communion, yeah. mm-hmm. and the historic Episcopate. There you go. Locally adapted. Yep. Sweet. I missed the creeds. Just that. Um, <laughs> just that. <laughs> just the entire belief system. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just the summary of our faith that I've been talking about. Um, so yeah. So along uh, with that, in historical documents, you will find the thirty-nine articles. Now these were a big deal for a long time, um, and uh, there are thirty-nine of them. 
There are 39 <laughs> statements. They're sort of a summary of faith that was created in the 1500s based on some earlier ones. What did they know back then? Well, they knew a lot. There was lots of <laughs> controversies going on, right, through the 1500s. That's when we broke from Rome. We were briefly reunited with Rome. Then we broke from Rome again. Um, and we're going back and forth. And so there were the Calvinists and the Lutherans and the Zwinglians and like everyone on the continent, all the reformers what you just said. coming up with different <laughs> confessions of faith and all this stuff. And so when under Queen Elizabeth I... Uh, we kind of solidified who we would be in the Church of England in the modern era. It was like, well, what do we believe about all these things? How come yeah. one, I only see it in one place, but like you said, 1571 yes. is when this happened. But then the very first thing that comes up on Google, Anglicans Online says, yeah. uh, as established by the bishops, clergy, lady of the Protestant Episcopal Church in the United States of America yes. Convention on the 12th day of September in the year of our Lord, 1801. Yeah. So that would be... Did it get redone or what? When they like affirmed it for our church. Oh. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. All right. So, um, so because, uh, uh, yeah, we're... We came The later. daughter church. Yeah, the, the daughter. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, go on. We weren't quite around yet yeah. in the 1500s, but... Um, in case anyone else is Googling, I don't be like Father Eric with his 1500s. Yes, yeah, no, yeah. But it's the same 39 articles. So that's okay. when 1571, that's when they get put into the Book of Common Prayer of the Church of England. Mm-hmm. And then they are, that's the 39 articles. They don't ah, like see. change over time or anything okay. like that. Um, so they are a list, basically, of a whole bunch of basic beliefs of the church. Some of them are just real basic, like who was Jesus. Um, and then some of them are kind of our position at that time on various controversies in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what do we think about the sacraments? What do we think about ordination? What do we think about baptism? You know, all that stuff. Um and what do we think about predestination is one of them. So on predestination and election. I'm looking yeah, at it. There's, there's a, lot. a lot going on here. They're cool. They're short, though. <laughs> yeah, it's They're pretty short. Cool. They're like yeah. a couple paragraphs I mean, each. like a lot of topics. It's cool. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's pretty sweet. So if you want a snapshot of kind of the guiding uh, uh, where we landed theologically as a church at the, sort of in the middle of the Reformation, <laughs> and this was really like an authoritative document for us, not just a historical document, but authoritative for the church for until very recently when it was kind of put as a historical document, um, partially just because a lot of those things aren't controversies anymore. Mm -hmm. So to answer Michael, your specific question, if you had a survey of Episcopalians today, what they thought about predestination, probably the majority would say, what are you talking about? Because (laughs) predestination isn't a live thing for most people. Most people. But Mm -hmm. there's always people in the Episcopal Church. Can I read you one of these articles that's awesome? Yes. Yeah, please. Yes. (laughs) I saw, wow, they even have one about purgatory. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It says... The Romish, which Romish is a cool word. I would have said Roman, but I like Romish. It is Romish. (laughs) The Romish doctrine concerning purgatory, pardons, worshiping, and adoration, as well as images of relics and also invocation of saints, is a fond thing, vainly invented, and grounded upon no warranty of scripture, but rather repugnant to the word of God. Yep. I think you say repugnant. That's repugnant is a very important word to the for world. us Episcopalians. <laughs> I'm a big like, fan. We don't so we don't like like Luther or, or some some uh, modern Protestants, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like we need to think 
that every single thing that we do as a church is like described directly in mm. the scriptures. Right, right. So like there's lots of stuff that it's not like it's in the scriptures, like, okay, and you do this and you make the sign of the cross or something like that. Yeah. But like the rule we have is like it's not repugnant to the scriptures, right? Nice. So like it's a legit tradition that we can see is part of the historic practice of Christianity. And it doesn't there's, and scripture is the rule. Anti that that's right. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So um so that's kind of how we parse things out. Whereas like for people like Zwingli and like then even, you know, other like evangelical Ooh, traditions, they're like, if it's not right there, then like we don't want any of it. It's like my um, sister was saying the other day. Yeah. The, the doctor sister, she was saying, that's Jackie, by the way. Hi, Jackie. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> Shout out to Jackie. She was, she was saying, uh, like we were talking about treatments for different things and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and if she thinks they work or she gets them and she's like, she said that they're like, as long as, what the person is doing doesn't like have evidence of ill effects. She has no problem with them trying it. Exactly. If it's not proven to work. So it's kind of like the same. I got that same analogy in my head when you're like, yeah, like we still do them. It doesn't say you have to do them in the scriptures, but also doesn't say don't do that. That's right. So one (laughs) that opens up a lot of sort of time to way to figure out what we do about new things. What do we do about guns? There are no guns in the scriptures. One way, (laughs) you know, like, Stuff like that, um, but also in the scriptures itself, right? In it, it says like uh, you know when Paul is writing to several of the churches, actually in his letters in scripture, it says you know that he handed on to those communities not just things that were written down, like you know when he wrote his letters to the Thessalonians and he says, "Keep faithful to what I have taught you." He doesn't just mean in this letter. He lived there for like two years. He They learned from Paul directly and other apostles who were from Jesus. So like the church has always understood like scripture is not complete. It's not all, every single thing is not directly in the scriptures about being a Christian. Um, obviously the sacraments and practices, they're mentioned in the scriptures. They're not repugnant to scriptures, but you know, you can't take communion by reading a book. Right. You have to take communion right, by yeah, going to church. <laughs> and like, uh, and even in, uh, uh, in the letter to Timothy, Paul says, you know, the ground and pillar of truth is not the scriptures. It's the church, mm-hmm. right? The scriptures are part of the church. You get, reformers who sort of want to put these at odds with one another Mm -hmm. scriptures versus church practices. Um, But the early, for the early church, it's one seamless garment, you know, like it's all Christianity and, and like it has a different role to play, Uh, you know, just like you don't try to eat the scriptures, you eat the body and blood (laughs) and you don't try and read the bread. You read the scripture, you know, like there are different aspects of our faith and they're both essential like mm-hmm. neither one is like it's like they're they're both necessary but none of them alone are sufficient it takes the whole um the whole church the whole inheritance that jesus gave to the apostles and the apostles gave to the apostles that came after them i feel like something you said i don't know a couple episodes ago i don't remember what it was but mm-hmm. but about just the kind of world view how it shifted I remember we're talking about scientists, I think, and how yeah. 
they yeah. were framing everything in the worldview of God in the first place. Like, like that's, yes. it was just kind of how people thought, you know, yeah. like God was there. God was part of all this. How does this all make sense? Mm-hmm. Whereas yes. now it's so, how do we, how do we get that out of here and think about with our, our human brains away from all of anything? Yeah. You know, supernatural quote unquote. <laughs> that's right. It's, that's right. It's, I think that's part of, I don't know when we talk about mm. tradition versus um, scripture, mm-hmm. like those things used to kind of just be one, you know, yeah. like the, everyone was, I don't know. I'm rambling. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, a big part of modern thought uh-huh. and modernity, modern, sometimes when we say that we're like, Oh, well I was born in the eighties, but now we're here in modern times, 2020. <laughs> yeah. No, modernity started in the 1400s. So that's when we're talking about oh. modern times, like, Ye olde 1400s France is like where uh, where modernity starts. But that's a big part of modernity Yeah, is like a different way of thinking. One that it's called reductiv- reductionism or reductivism where you, you split things apart and reduce things to like it's this or this. Oh, yeah. And you get a lot of binary opposites where it's like it's this or that false choices yeah false false choices and it's like it's nature or nurture yeah and like (laughs) even when i was in middle school or high school when i first heard about the nature and nurture debate i'm like i'm in ninth grade has no one thought maybe it's both maybe maybe both both of these you know like some of the via media yeah that's right (laughs) but like for scientists in the 1800s and into the 1900s like no it's got to be one thing one essential thing what's the thing and for some people it's scripture and for in the church and for some people it's no it's the pope for some you know like so um no, traditionally, mm-hmm. Christianity has been in everything, all of right. it. In seminary, it's like a joke that seminarians always say, it's a both and. <laughs> like Because that's what you have to learn. It's yeah. like, hey, you're not going to boil this down to where it's like, oh, here's the one important thing about Christianity, and everything else you can just throw right out the window. <laughs> it's like, oh, always yeah. do liturgy, but don't worry about how you live your life morally. Or just read scripture, but don't worry about going to church. Or, you know, like... Mm. No, it's all of it, all of it together. And it fits yeah. together. They reinforce each other. There's a method to the madness. There really mm-hmm. is. Um, well, to get to uh, yeah. what Michael was asking. Yes, do predestination. You to, do you want me to read the article? Will that, can we, can we yeah, get the background Yeah, read here? the article. Is it's it, a fun one. Is it the one of free will, I assume? No, no, no. No? It's not. What is it's it? It's of predestination and election. It actually says that. Yeah, oh, it, look, it's right there. It's yeah. longer. Okay. It is longer. I didn't scroll down far enough. All right. I'm just going to take a minute, guys. Bear with me. Predestination to life is the everlasting purpose of God, whereby, parentheses, before the foundations of the world were laid, close parentheses, I shouldn't say that because it's messing up the flow here, he hath constantly decreed by his counsel secret to us to deliver from curse and damnation those whom he hath chosen in Christ out of mankind to bring them by Christ to everlasting salvation as vessels made to honor Awesome. Okay, so that's the first paragraph. There's like there? three paragraphs, right? That's, that's the, the yeah. first sentence of the first paragraph. <laughs> oh, okay. There's more. Finish the first paragraph. Okay, okay first let's, paragraph. Let's talk right. about it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Wherefore, they which be endued with so excellent a benefit of God, be called according to God's purpose by his spirit working in due season. They through grace obey the calling. They be justified freely. They be made sons of God by adoption. They be made like the image of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. They walk, mer- or walk rig- they walk religiously in good works, and at length, 
by God's mercy, they attain to everlasting felicity. Please translate. Boom. <laughs> so one, here we have a vision of what do we mean by salvation, right? It's mm-hmm. like you become a God's child by adoption. You are filled with his spirit. You walk in good works. You Made do like, image. right? You're made in the image. That's right. And, and so felicity. like, What's that, felicity? that's right. Felicity. Uh, it's like niceness. Ooh, uh, niceness. It's, it's very I nice. Like that. It comes up. There's another line down in one of the other paragraphs where it's like a most comfortable doctrine. It's and, a great show. Yes. Felicity. So here, here's the, to just to start off in our discussion of predestination. Um, a lot of times when people think about predestination, when you hear the word, what they think of is Every single action you do or everything that happens in your life and then all the way up to whether or not you accept Christ or not or whether or not you go to heaven or hell, that's all decided beforehand by God. And so we're just kind of going through the motions of what God has decided for us. That is actually not predestination. Oh, snap. That is called double predestination. What? And that is a Calvinist doctrine. Yeah. So this... That's what I always understood yes, it is. Yeah, that's right. So mm-hmm. this, by affirming predestination and election, so that, that's the title of this uh, um, one. Election means selection. It doesn't necessarily mean like being voted on. It means being chosen. So like the, the elect people, the chosen people, like Israel in the Old Testament are chosen by God. What this wants to affirm is, and it's against two wrongs, double predestination on the Calvinist side, and then the earning your salvation on the Roman Catholic side. Um, What this wants to affirm is that God wants you to be saved. (laughs) So that's what it means by predestination. God predestined all those for salvation. Now, it leaves room in there for free will, where it says uh, freely and willingly in there or something like that. Can't remember. I'll find in a second. Yeah. Oh, they through grace obey the calling. They be justified freely. They be justified freely. Exactly. So it's not against anyone's will. Now, double predestination... It does invalidate free will. It's like it doesn't matter what you want or what you do. God has already chosen everything ahead of time. What predestination does is it um, this the what it's trying to say there is that God wants everyone who gets saved to be saved. In fact, it goes on. It's like God wants everyone to be saved, but those who freely choose it get to participate in that. And it's not like they convinced God who didn't want them to by good works. No, God wanted them. You know, like God wants you is basically what this says. Now, because what it's trying to do is uh, why predestination comes up at this time when people are trying to like rationally understand these things is trying to take scripture and put it in conversation with reason, um, knowing that God is outside of time. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, obviously God already knows all the choices everyone makes even before they make them. That's called the foreknowledge of God. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that before and how that doesn't interfere with free will. Mm -hmm. He knows. But um, what it's saying is like God actually sends graces on purpose. It's by the grace of God that people are able to choose God's grace. Um, And but they do that freely. But God wanted it from all time. Now this does still, it leaves open, right? Like God actually wants everyone to be saved. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not saying 
what double predestination says, which is no, God just says these people are going to heaven. These people are going to hell because part of Calvin's theology is that we are so it's called uh, utter depravity. Um, we are so broken that we don't even have the ability to make the choice ourselves. And so only the grace of God like chooses for us. Now, we would say the grace of God gives us the ability to make the choice, but that choice is still free. Mm-hmm. Everything is the grace of God. You know, like creation, existence is the grace of God. So we would never say like anything happens without the grace of God and without the will of God. So what this is affirming to start off is God wills salvation. God wants us to be saved and he wants it not because of anything we do, but it's a predestiny. So even before we were made, he made us for salvation, which is that what? It's that eternal life with him in perfect relationship with him and each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that likeness of God. Okay, go keep going and we'll, we'll keep going. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, or did you have any thoughts or questions? About no, that? no. Does that make makes sense? sense to me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Broke it down. All right. Okay. As the godly consideration of predestination mm-hmm. and our election in Christ is full of sweet, pleasant, and unspeakable comfort to godly persons and such as feel in themselves the working of the spirit of Christ, mortifying the works of the flesh and their earthly members and drawing up their mind to high and heavenly things as well because it dothly great establish and or greatly establish and confirm their faith of eternal salvation to be enjoyed through Christ as because a long sentence, Mm -hmm. as because it doth fervently kindle their love towards God. So for curious and carnal persons lacking the spirit of Christ to have continually before their eyes, the sentence of God's predestination is a most dangerous, dangerous downfall whereby the devil doth thrust them either into desperation or into wretchlessness of most unclean living, no less perilous than desperation. That's the second paragraph. You want me to finish the last one too? No, that's Stop that's there. good. Go on. So there, he they're they're specifically mentioning. Again, they're trying to walk the via media here, right? What do they specifically mention? How awesome the doctrine of predestination is. Why? Because unlike in the Roman Catholic Church, right, you're not just like trying to work yourself out of this hole with this angry God. Right, it's a joyful thing. God gave you these things for your joy, unspeakably comfortable. Exactly, it's wonderful. But unlike um, the extreme end on the Protestants, what does it list there? It lists like mortification of the desire, like all of these things that are what their works. Right. And so the idea is that your faith, you know, is shown through works. And so, like your faith and your love for God, your faith ought to be a response to God's love. Mm -hmm. So you need this this doctrine that says like, yes, God loved you from the very beginning. He predestined you. You have a destiny that comes before you. It's pre. Right. Um, and it is a destiny of goodness and grace and acceptance with God. And so that is the love that ought to be fueling your works, right? If you're mm-hmm. just doing them because you're trying to gain that grace, well, then that's not grace, right? As the Protestants would say, mm-hmm. um, it's like, then that's an exchange and you can't earn that grace. So it's trying to affirm both, yes, the practices of sort of traditional Christianity, not all of them, um, but a lot of them of self-denial, things that are challenging, you know, like love is not easy. Uh, agape, self-giving, sacrificial love, fasting and like all and prayer rules and, and stuff like that. They are good, 
but they're not good because they're they're means by which we earn our salvation. They are good because they are a means of receiving our salvation. They are the means through we express our salvation and display it. And it's a beautiful and pleasant thing. The product of our faith. Yes, that's right. And then it talks about those who like um who like don't know that and like mm-hmm. who think that they're that God hates them and like how terrible that is. Yeah, it sounds you know, pretty bad. like <laughs> the devil uses that to cast them into perdition cuz it's like, well, why do anything at all, you know? Mm-hmm. So um so that that's what that paragraph's about. Let's bring all it right. home. All right. Bring it home here. Okay. Furthermore, we must receive God's promises in such wise as they be generally set forth to us in Holy Scripture and in our doings, that will of God is to be followed, which we have expressly declared unto us in the word of God. Wait, say that again. <laughs> the whole thing? <laughs> yeah. You just pulled a mat. <laughs> I did. You're like, hmm, what's for dinner tonight? <laughs> <clears throat> Furthermore, we must receive God's promises in such wise as they be generally set forth to us in Holy Scripture. Yes. Colon. And in our doings, that will of God is to be followed, which we have expressly declared unto us in the word of God. Yes. Wait, <laughs> is that the whole last paragraph? That's the whole last paragraph. Oh, I thought the last one was really long. No, but that's okay. That's it. That's good. And that, <laughs> so like that kind of sums it up. It's like, all right. The will of God is made known to us. His will is our salvation. And that is for everyone. And he chooses everyone. You know, like, this is this is where the election part comes in. Like, when we say we're God's chosen people, and we do say that. Sorry, people who are uncomfortable with that language. Ooh. Yes. But we're not chosen at the exclusion of anyone else. Like God wills everyone be saved. No one has ever come to me for baptism and I'm like baptizing this baby, baptizing this baby. And then it's like, oh no, the water is not working. (laughs) I can't say that. No, he gives us these means and these signs of salvation that anyone can take because he has chosen, he has willed that everyone be saved. Um, And yet, you know, like people are still free to accept or deny this. You know, yeah. does they, the, they are, does the of free will article fall into this or is it a different thing? Yes. I'm sure. I'm very sure. It's like affirming like, Hey, we're going to read about that one predestination. Real quick. This one's short. You want to, it's a short one. Okay. Go for it. All right. It's uh of free will. The condition of man after the fall of Adam mm-hmm. is such that he cannot turn and prepare himself by his own natural strength and good works to faith and yes. calling upon God. Wherefore we have no power to do good works, pleasant and acceptable to God without the grace of God by Christ preventing us that we may have a good will and working with us when we have that good will. That's yes. Really confusing. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm sorry. I it's recommend a, all one sentence. Yeah, I think so. Yes. If so you're, if you're hearing this, I recommend you look these up and read them because yeah. they're hard to follow audibly. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So there again, what is it trying to, it's a controversial thing at the time, 1571, And you have these two things. One is that it's like, it's all our will, right? You got to put your will into it, put your back into it, go, go get it. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other one is like, no, we can't do anything at all. Only God can do it. This is again, the via media position. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, we have free will. Even our will, our ability to choose comes from the grace of God. And it wants to make clear like, Hey, 
we we wouldn't have a will without God's will. Uh-huh. You know, like we wouldn't have yeah. a will or or the ability to choose without without God's grace. God gives us the ability to choose. We do get to choose, but when we even when we choose, we don't have the power to do these good works without the grace of God. So it really wants to affirm because our practice is one in which works are important. Yeah. It wants to really affirm like no, those works are the works of God through us. They're not things we could do on our own. God really does change us. And I think, you know, most Christians, Protestant, Catholic or whatever, mm-hmm. who like grow in their faith in God, see this all the time. I can look back and I can be like when I was 16, there are things I can do now and that I do do now and ways I shape my life unimaginable, not just like unimaginable, like incomprehensible right. to me then. And things that I was like, I don't even know how I got this, mm-hmm. you know, like there are definitely things, especially in the life of a clergy person. Yeah. Like there's lots of stuff I do where it's like, I've just learned to trust. It's like, I'm not doing that. So I just show up there and like got this, when we talked about our spiritual gifts yeah. and all that kind of stuff, that's just how Christianity works. That's the icing on the cake. It's mm-hmm. like, not only do you have these practices and these works, but through them, God does this extra stuff that you yeah. know visibly you did not do. And you also, you didn't give yourself the capacity to show up for. And so that's what this is affirming. It's like, it's like yes. That, uh, yeah. We, we talked about the, the freedom that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, right. through God and through your faith. Exactly. You, it's freedom to do more That's when, it, right. when on the surface, it looks like freedom to do, you know, you're, you're losing freedom. That's right. That's it's, right. It's because that cool thing. Freedom it opens you is up to, more free in yeah, God's freedom than yeah. in the exercise of freedom in rejecting God's freedom. Mm-hmm. But even what this is saying, even the freedom to choose God's freedom or reject it comes from God, right? Yeah. Like gives us that, that ability. So, so it's affirming there, like, yes, we have free will. It is all within God's God's grace. Um, well, I hope that yeah. answers your question, Michael. Yes. <laughs> so, like, I would say predestination, as we kind of unpack it in that way, predestination and election, again, I don't think if you did a survey and just asked people about predestination, most of his opinions were like, I don't know. But if you <laughs> said, do you believe that God wills the salvation of mankind from before all creation, they would probably say yes. Right. Like, do you believe he that wants God... people to be close to him? Exactly. That sounds... yes, that's right. <laughs> that's that, like, kind of the point. <laughs> do you believe that God chose you to be part of his church. Mm-hmm. Like, again, you most people would probably say yes, unless they were like super, like they were raised Episcopalian and they still go, but they never really, you know, it's just a habit. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's not a lot of those people right. left. Like, there's no social necessity right, to like be part right. of, you know, like there's not a lot of that. Um, the people who are in the pews on Sundays these days, they want to be there. Yeah. They chose to be there. And if you ask most of them, they would probably say, yes, I believe God called me to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I would say that like, as far as the 39 articles go, um, again, I'm not sure that the debate that came out of this rationalism mm-hmm. and reductivism and is like perfectly well, uh, phrased for Christian tradition. I would be much more happy to say salvation is, um, a mystery and that's, uh, that's okay. It's not something we can't know about intellectually, but it's something we know best by participating in it and ask answering these abstract questions 
doesn't get us very far. Um, so affirming God's love, God's love for us from before all creation, that he calls every single human being into relationship with him, that would be good enough for me. But if we want to call that predestination election <laughs> and distinguish it carefully from Calvinistic double predestination mm-hmm. that says God just arbitrarily chooses these people are going to heaven and these people <laughs> are not, and he empowers those people to choose his thing, but not in a free will way because he sort of makes them do it. <laughs> Yeah, distinguish it from that. Also distinguish it from like works righteousness, both as it actually appears in like some forms of uh, Arminianism or whatever. Yeah, no, not Arminianism. I can't remember right now. <laughs> but um, and the caricatures of Roman Catholicism and some of the actual Pietistic practices of Roman Catholicism in the middle in the late in the early modern period um yeah distinguished from those things for sure and i would say it's still you know like as we understand it it's still a pretty good solid theology right Mm -hmm. there it is a most comfortable doctrine it is very reassuring if you think about like people in england at that time england the church of england was not a new church that was made it was the church of england roman catholic then broke from rome so a lot of people the standard piety was like, be afraid, be very afraid, make sure you take communion on Easter. Um, and most people only took communion on Easter because it was church law. You had to take it once a year to be in good standing because they were afraid of it. Mm. They were afraid to take the sacraments because they were afraid Jeez. they would die or they would take it unworthily and go to hell. You know, like that's crazy. So yes, predestination, the idea that God actually wants you to take communion. He wants you to be in communion with him. He wants you to, to be saved. Like that is a most comfortable doctrine in that, um, in that. Okay. Context. Let me see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gonna, I got to go pick up okay. Ivy. So let me okay, sure, see sure, if sure. I can, if I can do a, a, a Matt's summary here and you tell yeah. me if this is accurate or not. Tell me. Okay. We as human beings have yes. free will, yeah. but we only have free will because it was given to us by God That's without right. we can't, whom we cannot do anything. Yes. God also has his own will, of course. Mm-hmm. And in his will, he has predestined all of us to, I'm probably phrasing this wrong. He has, he, he will, he wants all of us yeah. to come to his salvation yes. and to come close to him, to the love of him. That's correct. Um, thereby making us all, Oh, I'm losing it. I had it. I had it in my head while you were talking. Now it went away. Sorry. <laughs> but he he wants us all to be to all receive salvation through him. But yes. that doesn't necessarily mean he picked and chose who would go to heaven, who would go to hell, That's because right. we do have the free will to make that choice. He just wants that choice to be made. In a positive light. Yes. That's right. <laughs> is that close? Is that Yes, close? that's absolutely right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. I lost it at the end there, but I almost had the mat sum up. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> yep. Yes. Everyone so, everyone has been chosen. Like, no one says yes to God, and God was like, wait, no, not you. Yeah, not you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Well... I hope, Michael, that that answered your question. Yes. I'm sure it may, it may have brought up more questions. Probably. Like, but write us again, well, what Michael. Write us some like, universe, Does that yeah. mean everyone's going to happen? Like, what <laughs> will God's will be thwarted in some yeah. people? You know, like, um, but that provocative mm-hmm. doctrine, I would say, it's still that it is provocative for a reason. And it's like, 
it's part of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's crazy when Paul goes to, you know, all the known uh, Mediterranean world there mm-hmm. preaching this gospel. It's like the weirdest people say yes to it. Yeah. It's like, why? It's yeah. not to their advantage. Some of them get killed. Yeah, we've because talked of about it. It before how yeah. Christianity spreading mm-hmm. like it did is so just wild in the first place. It really yeah. is. <laughs> and this is part of it. It's like, seriously, people in pagan world did know there was a God beyond the gods for the most part. Um, and they did not know that that God loved them. Mm-hmm. If you look around at the world, it's even today, it's like you can very easily come to the conclusion that whoever made this obviously does not love you, you know, like, <laughs> right. And like, so the idea, like this was a big part of it. The idea that God came here at all incarnation, mm-hmm. huge deal, but it came as an, as a sign as mm-hmm. making flesh of his love. He wants to be with us, one of us. And then his death and resurrection that he would come here and take on a puny human life and then die in it in the worst way possible yeah. for the sake of others. It's like, yes, God wants you, you know, like, so that's my summary of the predestination uh, election. Like God wants you, God wants you in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. God wants you with him. God wants you in a church. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like when we go, when it's time to like take a prayer rule or fast or to do whatever, or, you know, like give your money to the poor. Mm -hmm. Like this is not an onerous task. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's like, it has to come from the like understanding that God gave him his whole self to you. Mm-hmm. And like that is an expression of an enjoyment of this relationship. Um, I had a, speaking of the spirit of Christianity, I, I yeah. got to go, but this is, okay, sorry. <laughs> this is a, a random thought I had the other day. I'm that sorry, I'm like, Ivy. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there's a, just one really silly way to, uh, mm-hmm. to see that there's something to Christianity is how many yeah. people use the Lord's name in vain. It's like, so true. What other what other God's names get used in vain? That's, right. That's <laughs> I was thinking about like the only we one say we're is, a post Christian yeah. country, but no one's like swearing with yeah, Vishnu's name exactly. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> even in his in his absence, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, Zeus, darn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, it's still the the cornerstone fact, right? Whether you are against it or for it, of of our civilization. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Yeah. We'll wrap it up there, but That's uh, it. you guys are <laughs> the best. Yes. And, Thank you uh, so much, Michael, for your awesome yeah, question. Please, cool. if you have any follow-ups, send, uh-huh. them, send them our way. And anyone and, else listening, blast us out some more because we yes. might just turn uh, an episode out of it Absolutely. instead of just a quick answer. So. Yes. And if you well, like this There's no episode, quick answers around here. No, there are not. There are not. If you've got some time on your hands and you like this episode, <laughs> uh, hit subscribe to have more. Um, share it with someone who you think would enjoy this yeah. kind of crazy rambling. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and as always, you can you can leave people have left five star reviews yeah and keep going, um, guys told us what what they like about us so <laughs> thank you so much for everyone who has i know um, and that does help quest. other people see us as well yeah so thanks all right guys well we'll see you next time yes i'm matt kitchen and i'm father eric and this is after, after the, the likeness, likeness. bye-bye, bye-bye.